worship you. We thank you for the prayer ministry that we have here today. We just bless and lift you up. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we thank you because we know that you love us, that you're a sovereign God, that there's nothing you won't do to bring your word to pass. It is written, and we thank and praise you that the joy of the Lord is our strength, and we give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Hallelujah. Well, there's a danger in compromise, amen. God is dependent on us to persuade the world to follow him. You know, the world looks at us us as examples, amen. Well, amen, Pastor Shirley. (laughs) Hey, so anyway, we need to let the world see us serving him. We need to let the world see us in joy, see us in faith, amen. Amen. And this is how the world is persuaded to walk with him. And it's by the choices we make. Amen. Hallelujah. We are a light. The Bible says that we are the light of the world. And that we're a light in dark places. We illuminate the world or the darkness. And it's done by us. You know, and that's what a disciple is. A true disciple is a light. A true disciple shows the way, leads the way. And, you know, any if there's any darkness around the light, it'll be exposed. This is why the world hates us, because they don't like that feeling of being exposed. But that's what we're supposed to do, not make friends with the world. Amen? Not make friends. Amen. So we persuade the world by how we walk and by the choices we make. Amen? And we live our lives, how we live our lives are so important. It's important to God. And it's important because you let the devil know who you are. Amen. He knows who you are by how you live, the things you say, the groups you run with, you know, what you do in your leisure time. You know, we're supposed to be, uh, the Bible calls us uh, soldiers. You know, we are a heavily clad soldier. And we're always supposed to have our spiritual armor on and be ready, you know, in season and out of season for what the devil, because he tries to come and steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job. Amen. And so it's our job to be on guard, to guard our hearts with all diligence, to do everything that we're supposed to be doing to make sure that we are always bearing fruit. The world sees the fruit that we bear. And that's how they know who we are, by the fruit that we bear. If we're sitting up acting like them, looking like them, then there's no fruit. And then we don't speak. um, We don't speak uh, to the world the way we're supposed to speak. Are y'all here today? So how we live our lives is so important. And the devil knows it. And this is why he'll try to tempt us into compromising with the world, saying it's okay. I had someone tell me just the other day, two days ago, they were talking about the bathroom and these signs, you know, because they, you know, the president is trying to put in, in effect, a law that does not reject any trans, what are they, gender people, you know. And so he he explained it like this, however they feel like they are. When they, when they were born, however they feel or whoever they feel like they are, we have to respect it. But that's not, we don't have to respect that. We don't have to respect that. And see, that's what compromise is. The world will pressure you to compromise, you know, the things of God. And so already we've, in some city, I think it was in uh, one of the Carolinas or somewhere, where this man already attacked a girl. See, it's like this. I feel like a woman today. I'm going to put on woman's clothes. I'm going to go in there and rape somebody. And we're supposed to just accept that like it's okay. Well, it ain't okay. And so God is looking for us to come against these things, pray against it, you know, uh, write letters to legislation and, you know, uh, be up on your your, uh, political rights and, 
all of this stuff, you know, because there are things that we can do to stop this. Amen. You know, sign these petitions. They're on Facebook all the time. You say, but, oh, I don't want to put my name on that. Well, I do it. Because that thought came to me, you know, don't do that. And then I I answered that voice and said, I am going to do it. Because if I don't do it, who's going to do it? Because I have three granddaughters, and I I love them dearly. And I don't want any man waiting for them in a bathroom because he's dressed like a woman. Anybody can go get some women's clothes on. Oh, I feel like a woman today. It's ridiculous, the stuff that the world tries to force us to swallow. And it's really compromised. And so we have to speak against it. You know, yeah, people won't like you, but God will love you for it. Amen. And they'll thank you later. Amen. And so in in Matthew 4, if you turn there, it, it shows us. And it's, it's the, the um, you know, we're all familiar with that scripture, Mark 4.1, where Satan uh, was trying to tempt Jesus. After 40 days of fasting, could you imagine not eating for 40 days? Maybe just a little water and a little bread, and then here comes the, <laughs> okay. and then here comes the devil trying to talk to you about bread when you haven't eaten bread or anything else in 40 days. And so the devil is cunning and he's sneaky. And his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. So in verse 3, let's see, Matthew 4. Well, I started one. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And this is a positive test. You know why? Because he was led by the Spirit. Look, God is with you through every test, every trial. Amen. And so you will get victory, and we have to remember that. We are not going through these things alone. No trial, no, no uh, temptation, you know, is God will, uh, will not allow any trial or temptation, uh, any turmoil to overtake you because he never gives us more than we can deal with. He just won't do it. But we have to buck up, you know, and... Take our stand. So the only thing that comes against compromise is taking a stand. If you're the type of person that don't like taking a stand, you're going to compromise. Amen? Because you're going to have to stick out like a sore thumb. And a lot of people won't like you, but who cares? Amen? As long as you're doing the will of God and doing the work of God, then he'll help you and you're not in this alone. But he went up and was tempted by the devil. Verse 2 says in when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterwards, he was hungry. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, throwing that doubt in there, if, knowing who he was, but if you're the son of God, command those stones to become bread. Amen. When you're hungry, bread. That's the last thing somebody needs to throw in your face when you haven't eaten in 40 days. But verse 4 says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Amen. So what feeds you is the word. Natural food doesn't really feed you. What feeds you is the word of God. What is written? What hath God said? He did Eve like that in the garden. Hath God really said? That if you eat from that tree, you will surely die. He didn't really say that. See, so to, so to get you to compromise, the devil throws a question in there. If you're the son of God, hath God really said? So he is cunning. This is the, what the word cunning means. Sneaky, tricky, and he is steady watching you. Because he knew, he knew Jesus hadn't eaten in 40 days. So he came at that particular time for a purpose. Verse 5 says, Then the devil took him up into the holy place, set him on a, the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you're the Son of God, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. And you know what all of these ifs tell me? We had better know who we are in Christ Jesus. You have to know who you are. Amen? And see, Jesus didn't have a, uh, a problem with his identity. 
like we do sometimes, you know. He knew who he was, and this is why he was able to keep telling him the same thing over and over. He didn't tell him to go back to hell where he came from like some people want to cuss the devil. I'll go back there. He said, it is written, because all that stuff don't mean a hill of beans to the devil. Because he's sitting up laughing at people that talk like that. You know, I've heard people saying, I just told him, I'm like, but they never said that they gave him the word, which is like beating him across the head with a stick. But I told him, and I, you didn't tell him nothing, because he's sitting up laughing at you, because you, you don't know who you are. So he told him, he shall, uh, he shall give his angels charge over it. Did I skip something? Verse 6, and he said to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself off down for it is written he shall give his angels charge now listen the devil is giving him the word and see and all he wants you to do is get confused and get stupid so he learned the, from the first temptation well he's just gonna give me the word so i'm gonna give it back to him <laughs> i'm gonna give him a dose of his own medicine and it's, so he said, um, and then the, the devil also told him, in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. He's telling him, look, the angels will catch you. So just jump. <laughs> know the word. Know the word. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. It's like you got a scripture, I got a better one. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And this is what he's after. See, whenever you pay more attention to the devil, when his word speaks louder than it is written, you're worshiping him. That's what he wants. Ultimately, he wants every believer to worship him. Amen. Because, see, this is the thing. He's jealous of our relationship with God. He's jealous of the love that God has for us because he's not capable of that kind of love. And so what he's really after is our adoration and our worship and our praise and our, the attention that we give God. And we do that the least. The thing that will cut the devil's throat, we do it the least. But this is what he's after. He's after our adoration toward God. And so Jesus told him, it is written, you should not tempt the Lord that God. And again, the devil took him on a, oh, I read that exceedingly high mountain. Verse 9, and he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only and serve him. Amen. In other words, I'm not going to worship you because the Bible says for me to worship the, uh, God and not you. Then the, the devil in verse 11 left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Amen. Hallelujah. So the devil just wants to catch you off guard. And if he tried it with Jesus, <laughs> he'll try it with anybody. Amen. He will try it with anybody. So bread, there's just the mere mention of bread after you've been fasting. That's a kick. That's a punch in the gut. Amen. The devil doesn't care who you are because he's proved that when he tried to tempt Jesus. He doesn't care who you are. Amen. But he will try to tempt you. And he's trying to tempt you from your, want to pull you away from your divine standpoint. Tempt, uh, what is it? it? It has everything to do, compromise has everything to do with snatching you off of your post, pulling you from your stand. When you take a stand against the devil, he's going to do everything to try and knock you off that stand. He'll tell you all kinds of lies. Look at you. God's not with you. No. Uh, just any kind of lie to p make you not stand. What are you standing for? You're standing for what God has promised you because the devil does not want you to get it. And he knows that you'll get it if you buck up and get a brain. Well, I'm going to say all of us. He knows that he, in other words, he knows that he has to go through us to get to us. And so he'll keep nudging and keep picking and keep lying 
telling you that you're too old or you're too this or you're too that. I get that old thing all the time. And I just say, hey, I tell the devil, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't see it. <laughs> now, maybe I'm confused. You know, maybe I'm in, I'm delusional. But that's okay. I tell them, oh, that, mm, that, that ain't me. Amen. <laughs> My father used to say, you know, he went on for, you know, till he was 92. And he used to say, mm, he looked in the mirror and say, nice skin, not too bad looking. He said, mm, you know, he was all into him, all into him. And so I can do that too. Whatever lie you have to tell yourself, no, I'm not going there. I'm old, who is he talking about? <laughs> He'll tell you you're too old, you're too this, you're too that. You know, he just, he likes to break you down. But you have to take a stand. No, God told me. This is what God said. God promised me restoration. God promised me a family. God promised me a husband. You know, it is written. He has said it. God, my God, has said so. And you cannot let the devil break you. You can't, because he's a liar. So why would you start listening to him now? Because he's a liar. And he's not going to tell you anything that's good. Satan likes to entice us or tempt us with sin. Or, you know, everybody's doing this. You mean you got to go to church on Saturday and Sunday? You got to do this and see, because he wants you to say, no, I don't have to. Don't nobody tell me what to do. That's a good one. I hear that all the time. I'm in control of my life. And when God's in control, amen. So he tries to test us and really what the devil's doing he's trying to test god's sovereignty that's what he's really he's after god but he knows that we're made in his image that god loves us so much that he gave up his only son so that we will have life and it more abundantly life everlasting he's done all of these things for us and the devil's jealous and angry because he can't take uh he can't take advantage of what Jesus did at Calvary. He made his decision. But he's going to try to stop us from taking. This is why he tries to get us to compromise. It's to compromise your stand. That's what this is all about. If you want to understand compromise, it's about forcing you or tricking you to give up what God has promised Amen. That's what he's doing, trying to get you to give up what God has promised. Amen. And so when he these thoughts cross our mind, and they're gonna they're gonna cross your mind, you know, and you're gonna feel the effects of some of this warfare, because that's really what it is, you know. Because some days you just don't feel like a bride to be. <laughs> you feel like the bride of Chucky, you know. You <laughs> you just don't you don't feel like you know. Uh, and you feel that some days I don't want to be a wife, you know. And so when those times, that was good, wasn't it, April? I see you laughing. She liked it. And so when you, you those times are going to come. When they do, you speak to that thing. You got to talk back to it. It's good to know in your head, but you got to, you see, Jesus wasn't mumbling. Oh, you know what, I, I know who I am. He spoke straight to the devil. It is written. Amen. It is written. God has promised with a he with an oath and a promise. He has said, He has promised me these things. And they're yours. This this is not a big thing. This is just everyday blessings. You know that we're to walk in every day, but we're hired by God to do a, a work for him. And so kingdom first and then what you want from God that takes second second um you know behind the but still that's okay because we are hired by god as as watchmen and intercessors to do a work and it's good but god is still sovereign and he's going to do what he says he's going to do satan likes to put questions in our mind and it's always to doubt god amen that's how he got over with eve that's why we're born in a sinful world because of she wasn't on her game, and the husband wasn't either. Have God really said? He didn't really say that. And then I've seen most people take, they get off their stand and say, well, God didn't tell me that. God, well, well what you've been doing for 15 years. 
You've been deceived for 15 years. You know what you know what I'm saying? So if if, if Satan can get us to question God, then he can get us to compromise cuz that's where it starts. Amen. Or sitting on the fence. He wants us to sit on the fence. You know, stuck between two opinions. God's opinion and in our opinion or what the devil is suggesting. And so he wants us to be uh, the Bible talks about in Second Kings, it talks about being betwixt between two opinions. Amen. And this is an example that I, I wrote down. That It's just a joke I heard along that I don't know, it may be true. So I wrote it down because sometimes I get it mixed up. And it says, have you ever heard the story of the guy who could not decide what side he wanted to fight on during the Civil War? So he put on a coat of the north and trousers from the south. And guess what? Anybody know this joke? He got shot from both sides. <laughs> so he could, did y'all like that? He couldn't, he couldn't decide whether he was north or south during the Civil War. So he was going to be both. And see, that's called compromise. And he got shot from both sides. Every time you compromise, think about that joke. It's you get shot from both sides when you compromise. Amen. It's just the way it is. Hallelujah. He got shot from both sides. And this is what happens when we compromise. People who try to live in two worlds, and that's what it is. That's compromise, living in two worlds. And it's a miserable place to be. Miserable. You notice when you compromise, you don't have, ever have any peace. Every day, it's like, okay, here's another day, and it's supposed to be a beautiful day, and God, the sky's the limit, God is working in your life, but it's just another day of confusion and misery because we compromise. And sometimes we just need to stand up and tell the mirror and, and talk to the devil in the mirror and say, I will not compromise anymore. You know, you just take it. That's what taking a stand is. When you take a stand, you're, you're all for, for truth. Not opinion. Compromise is full of opinion. Truth is from God. And you have to take us, because then you'll find yourself defending something all the time, all the time defending something. You know, you hear something you don't like, you got to defend it. But when you, when you are for truth, for the truth, standing for God's truth, that, that little stuff don't bug you. Because you know who you are, you know what you're doing, you know what God is doing in your life. You know that you will see the blessings of God because they're yes and amen. He's already said yes. And see, people forget all this stuff when they get into warfare. It's a war. Listen, there's, it's a warfare. There's a warfare over your words. There's a warfare over your blessing. There is a warfare over what God has promised. That's why it don't look like it's coming. And, but we forget that. We just say, well, he ain't going to do it. I don't want it no more. I've been there. Been there, done that. <laughs> it don't work. Because, see, God will put that thing back in your heart, and then you will say, here it is again. You can't, you can't escape it. It's like, try to get away from that. I'd have done all of that. It don't work. And it's all because I didn't realize that I was compromising with what I thought I saw. And so when you are not, people who don't compromise see what God says. It's already spoken. I see it. You have to see in the invisible realm. If you don't see it before you get it, that's why it ain't here. And, but there's a warfare over the, the promises of God. There's a warfare over your words. You know, Daniel, uh, the angel was held up, as you know, 21 days. But 21 days, see, time is different than it is now. Could have been 21 years. In God, time has no specific, and no, it's just the beginning. Time is the beginning and the end. That's what time is. And that space in between can be any time. But, but time is where, whenever he spoke it and whenever he bring, brings it to pass. That's so, in other words, there's no set time. I mean, there's no years that we can count up and say it's time the time has already been set by god amen 
It's already been set by God because his time is not. See, time can work for you. You know, that's how the devil tried to get me. Time, let time be your friend. It's like, I ain't ready anyway. <laughs> I got stuff I need to do. Amen. I got. I need to work on me. I need to get on a diet. I need to, you know, all these personal things that you stack up and you ain't done none of them. When you start looking at at time and looking and saying, well, God wins, start saying, am I ready? And then you'll say, not quite. Because <laughs> I've been sitting here looking at TV, eating my buddies, you know, that's late, and doing all of these things. When I should be preparing. So God knows what he's doing. He's never late. He's always on time. Amen. Hallelujah. And he's trying to get the Egypt out of us. <laughs> Amen. So we need this time to prepare for whatever it is God is doing for us. Amen. But compromising a compromising position is a miserable position. Because you don't know. You start to not know who you are anymore. Amen. And sadly, this is how the, the I, I believe 80%, this is just me, 80% of the church live a, lives a compromised life. They compromise, compromise with everything, you know, compromise with pastor, compromise with the women and all of this crazy stuff. You know, it, it's just ridiculous. So they compromise with how one another lives, compromise about going to the bar, compromise with about drinking. You'd be, a, you'd be surprised how many Christians go to the bar. It's just ridiculous. And that's nothing but compromise because they want to be jealous of the world. I can't have no fun. I've heard people say it. You know, I want to live like I want to live because I, you know, it's just sad. But compromise, this is what it does. It tolerates evil. And it does not want to confront. You need to write that down. Compromise does not want to confront evil. That's why, you know, we want to back off and be just friendly. The devil ain't friendly. He want to kill you, your kids, everybody that look like you, those to come. He don't want them to come into the world. He don't like you. But compromise wants to tolerate instead of confront. It's kind of like have your cake and eat it too philosophy. It's a lot of people like that because they don't. I'm just a peaceful person. No, you ain't because you can't have peace when you compromise. That's a bad feeling. You ever you ever been in a, a situation where you knew you should have said something, you didn't say it, and then later on you think about it, I should have said something. And, you know, and then you know what I used to do? I said, God, you should have gave, opened that door and gave me a word. <laughs> you didn't give me a word, so I didn't say nothing. We blame God, you know. But so that's why those thoughts come back to you because God, the Holy Spirit just told you, you should have said something. But we let those times go by, you know what I'm saying? All we need to do is just repent and ask the Lord to open the door again. He'll open it again. But he ain't going to play with play players. He, he ain't going to play with players. <laughs> I should open the door, you know. Amen. But we should live in such a way that unbelievers should look at us and say there's something different. You ever heard somebody say that? So something different about you. I've had people say that. I knew it was something different about you. And I won't. <laughs> but it's how we walk, how we carry ourselves. My neighbors, my neighbors have been seeing me do the same thing for 30 years. They know where I am on Saturday and on Sunday. And, you know, most of them have the prayer manual and have seen have seen a victory in that prayer manual. Amen. Have seen, this one guy, he's Jewish. You know my neighbor on the other side. He's not supposed to be living right now. And he's now, he just had his 70th birthday. He turned 70. They don't look it, but they, you know. But he just turned 70, and it was been like 18 years ago. They sent him home to die, and they had given him heart surgery. And those prayers on that, and back then it was just that little cardboard prayer manual, and his wife prayed him, and he couldn't stand me, and I used to look, stick my head out the door, and I said, God's going to heal you. And he said, <laughs> And he was wrapped, when he came home, he was wrapped from his neck 
all his arms, his legs, and he looked like a mummy because he had so much fluid in his body. He had had like 60 pounds of fluid in his body, but God healed him. And every day I would look out and see him sitting on his, uh, uh, what's that? Yeah, on his little patio. And every time I would look, look out, it looked like he shrunk a little bit more and shrunk a little bit more because God was getting rid of that fluid in his body. And I used to say, God's going to heal you. God's going to heal you. And he was just, uh, and pretty soon he quit coming out, you know. So I would just, but I would talk to his wife and check with her. And she says, I'm still praying. What do you do? Just read it. I said, just read it. I said, because it's already the written word. It doesn't need to be changed. Just read it the way it, and he got healed, and he has not been sick. One time, um, I found out not long ago, he had gone into the hospital because I think he had had some fluid buildup around his heart. And this was about two years ago. He, she didn't tell me until after he was home. But I knew something didn't look normal over there. And so I said, well, God, whatever it is, just straighten it out. But I didn't know anything about it. But she says, oh, he's back to work. He's doing great. And I'm like, <laughs> they doing great off off our word, you know. But hey, God don't care who you are. She believed, and her husband was healed. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Something that is admirable. Your your people, the world should see something desirable, something admirable about you. Amen. Something different. They need to see something. Something's you. It's something about you. You know, I, I knew it was something about. You ever had somebody say, "I knew you were saved. I knew you were Christian." You know, you've had people tell you that. That's when you know that you are uh, a witness for Christ. That's what a witness is. Amen. Hallelujah. On the other hand, a compromising person reaches nobody. They don't reach anybody because they don't take a stand for anything. The word compromise, I looked it up, and it actually means to settle a dispute by uh, mutual concession. So, see, in other words, mutual concession, you got to give some up. You got to make, you got to, you, you have to give and take. It's never cut and dry. You know, what, you know what I'm saying? It also means to meet each other halfway. See what compromising? That's what it means. You meet somebody halfway. In other words, they can't receive the word and receive it gladly, you know, and use it as a seed in their life. But you got to meet them halfway. And these are people who want to want to say, I believe this part, this scripture, but I don't believe in women preachers or some that, some, some, you know, that kind of, and when I get that a lot, I, some man said that to me on Facebook, and I wrote back to him, LOL. <laughs> I don't care. I want to tell him so bad, I don't care what you believe. Who do I care? I don't believe in women preachers. You know, he wanted to try to get an argument. So it was funny to me because, honey, this is already working. Ain't nobody asking you for nothing. <laughs> hey, if my husband would fill the shoes, I'd gladly go home and sit down. Amen. Amen. Uh, the word compromise also means to make a deal or to make concessions, to strike, uh, strike a balance, see, where everybody's happy. The, those on this side is happy, and those on this side is happy. To strike a balance. To accept standards that are lower than what is desirable. And that's the, I like that definition better than any of them. To accept standards that are lower than, than is desirable. It also means a settlement, a trade-off. The ability to listen to both sides in a dispute and accept both sides. So, in other words, the devil right and God's right too. Mm -hmm. Compromise. Not right. Jesus didn't compromise and God doesn't either. Amen. 
Let's go to Luke 3. When you hear people say that word settle, that makes me nervous because I remember what it used to mean to me. That means you're not, you're not standing up for what God has said. Luke three sixteen. That's not the one I want. You know what? I think this is in, I wanted a scripture about the lukewarm, lukewarm church. I think it's in Revelations 3. Let, I'm going to go there and try to find it. Yeah, it's in Revelations 3. Let's see, where is it? Verse 14. Let's go to 15. I think I found it in Revelations 3.15. It says, I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm, and neither hot nor cold. You notice, Jesus, and this is Jesus talking. You notice he keeps saying that over and over. Neither hot nor cold. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Mm. Selah. Mm-hmm. So then you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold. I will spew you. Some Bible says spew. Some say vomit you out of your mouth. So get off the fence, the fence of compromise, and make a choice, and then stand by it. I don't care who challenges you. Whoever challenges you, whack them with the word. Amen. Let them have it. Amen. Don't straddle the fence because you're making God sick to his stomach, not taking a stand. All the people who stand for a few years and quit, you make God sick. Amen. You make him sick. I just read that. Double-mindedness will cause you to falter or halt or stop. That word falter between two opinions. Double-mindedness. That's why people do it. Because it's like this. They're not sure themselves where they stand. So they don't defend the word and take a stand and continue to stand, having done all stand, because they're compromising. I mean, we know they're comp- but they're shaky about their decision. Some days they want to stand, some days they don't. Well, you're not going to always feel like standing. I don't feel like standing every day, but I don't live by my how I feel. The just you live by your faith. Stand by what you know, not how you feel or how it's looking, how it looked today. It looked like it looked good. Look like God's going to move today. Honey, if you can't see it, it ain't coming. You got to see yourself with it. It's called through the eyes of faith. Faith sees everything before it comes. Amen. So we must follow the Lord wholeheartedly or not at all. Be bold enough to say, I don't want God. I don't want none of this stuff. And I'm not doing it. Be bold enough to do that than to pretend. Being fake. I'm with you. Pretending you. Most Christians do that. Oh, I'm with you. Bless the Lord. And they're not with you. Amen. A little bit of uh, trouble come in their life. You see about how much they're with you. Let's go to Second Kings 18. And that's where this uh, thing about being halting between two opinions is in Second Kings. Second Kings 18. Verse 21. Uh, maybe it's first Kings. I thought it was second Kings. Heart between two opinions. First Kings. That's first Kings. Okay, first Kings eighteen twenty one. I didn't have any scriptures right today. 
I don't get in there. And it says in verse 21, and it talks about Elijah on Mount Carmel, his victory. I like to say uh, Elijah's uh, Mount Carmel victory because that's what it was. Amen. And it's a story where Elijah, you know, the, the, the prophets of Baal, where, well, Jezebel, Baal, and Ahab, it was that story. And then they had all of these, well, the thing that, that struck me the most about this story is, is that it was 450 um, prophets of Baal to one Elisha. But Elisha was hooked up with the right guy. And so they were 450 to one. Amen. So let's see, is there anything else I can say about this? And so he had told them to cut this, these animals, in other words, prepare them for uh, sacrifice. And then call on your God, 450 of y'all standing all over there in the group, and it's only one of me, call on your God to, for fire. And, of course, you know it didn't happen. See, we carry the anointing. We carry Because those that are with us are more than those that are against us, but you don't have to see them. Just know that God has much people in the city. Amen. But they were 450 to 1. So let me see. Let me start reading on 21. Uh, what, what is my problem here? Oh, because I'm in, I'm in 17. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> now I'm in 18. Okay, I got it. So in verse 21, it says, And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, but if Baal, follow him. Amen. In other words, stop riding fence and stop halting between two opinions and make up your mind who your God is. But the people answered him, not, not a word. That's the way people do when they're compromised and they don't have nothing to say. Because you know why they don't have any answers. Don't even know what's going on. Need to be clued in because they don't have all the facts. Have no truth. 22, then Elisha said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. So that's 450 to 1. Therefore, let them give us two bulls and let them choose one bull for themselves. Cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood. But put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood, but put no fire. In other words, we don't want a man-made fire. We want this fire to come from heaven or wherever their, their God comes from. Amen. In 24, then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. You notice he said, and you call on the name of your gods with a small g and an S. Because he already know what the deal is. He says, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. In other words, you put up a you put up a, a good point, you know. But they're not convinced. You put up a good point. That's what that means. <laughs> now Elisha said to the prophets of Baal, "Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many. And call on the name of your God, but put no fire. Did I read that? But put no fire under it. So they took the bull, which was given." And they prepared it and called on the name of Baal, called on the name of Baal from morning till noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, no one answered. Then they, then they leaped about the altar which they had made. Well, what were they going to do at the altar? 27. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud. For he is a God. <laughs> Either he is meditating, or he is busy, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. 
So they cried aloud. In other words, they cried out louder. See, false gods can't hear. False gods can't help. False gods can't do nothing for you. Amen? Just can't do nothing. <laughs> so they cried aloud and cut themselves as they, as was their custom, with knives and lances, until the blood gushed out of them. Yeah, I know they were cutting all night. Amen. Uh, 29. And, and when midday was passed, they prophesied until the time of the offering. Oh, they prophesied. We, we should do that much. They was prophesying and calling out, crying, cutting themselves. They did a whole lot of stuff for them gods to answer. Amen. Until the time offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all of the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. See, the devil tore it down, but Elijah built it back up. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. And then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar uh, large enough to hold two seeds of seed. And he put the wood in order, cut the bull in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, Fill your water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Now they wet the wood. And then he said, do it a second time. So they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So the water ran all around the altar. And he also filled the trench with water. So they completely saturated this altar, the wood, the the sacrifice, everything with water. And then it came to pass, verse 36, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what I like. All those. I like all those people. Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and I am your servant. And that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know, that this people may know that you are the Lord God. And that you have turned their hearts back to you again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. And now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, see the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. You know why he did that? Because they have no power. They had no power. And when you're up against the devil, you eradicate him when you can. You don't just give him give him a chance. Oh, well, y'all was wrong. And, you know, and I hope you learn something. Devils don't learn anything. They don't learn anything. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them. Amen. Hallelujah. So you have to put on supernatural knowledge, supernatural strength. You have to see in the supernatural. I know some of y'all didn't like that execution, but it it felt good to me. (laughs) See, religion will tell you that was cold. Yeah, well, they wanted to kill Elijah, amen, but they had no power. So you have to eradicate an enemy, amen. (laughs) So the people of Israel were riding on the fence concerning the power of the prophet and the power of God. And because the prophet was outnumbered, see, that's why God is teaching us, don't look at numbers. He says, I do, I do much through many or few or many. Don't ever look at numbers. 
they used to bug me. It don't bug me no more because I know I got the vision. I know what's going on. <laughs> so when you compromise, you sin against your own conscience. That's the other thing about compromise. See, the devil set you up. This is the thing. He'll get you to compromise, and then you mess up because when you compromise, that comes from deep within. There's a, a disconnect between you relationship-wise with you and the Lord. So when you compromise, then, of course, you're going to sin, and that causes you to uh, sin against your own conscience because then you're carrying all of this guilt, and you're saying, I wish I hadn't have done this, and then you get angry, and you fall into depression, anger, you know, instead of repenting and letting it go and starting all over, God can pick you up and start you over, and you can still be victorious. But he gets you in this slump because you did it yourself. You understand what I'm, I'm saying? And so you have to allow God to come in and help you even when you when you see you messed up repent don't carry all of this guilt around with you you know and let god fix your conscience let him help you but see some people feel like i know i messed up i gotta fix this yourself you can't amen amen when you when you compromise you are bowing to your flesh you sin against your own conscience, and you bow against your own—you bow to your own flesh, and you don't ever notice when you compromise. But when you do, you know that feeling of no peace. Amen. Sometimes we compromise so much, we take a stand for that. We never move. We don't really know, realize what we're doing. But we're in a compromising position. Because we've been there so long for so many years. You know, compromise is a lot of reasons. That's why you have no peace. One day you with God, and the next day when things don't go your way or you have a rough day or something, you back compromising on the fence again. Because you're upset because you're living out, out of your flesh. You can't live out of your flesh and live holy for God. You just can't because you're going to fall into sin. And you're going to compromise with something. You know, it's always going to be something that you think that you should have done or you should have said. And that's true. But what are you going to do? Then you start living in the past and, and looking at your past failures. And then you don't think you can ever get right again with God. So it's a setup. It's a setup from the devil from day one. But you, you need to learn how, you know, we learn as we go along how to stop falling into these trenches. Because that's what it is. Because so, you know, I've been in, I used to uh, laugh about it and say, I feel like if I, if I stand on my tiptoes, I could go under that door, still walk under the door. That's how the devil had beat me down, but I didn't know. I didn't know I was a spirit filled. I didn't really know the Lord. But I'm telling you, when God empowered me, I don't fall for that stuff anymore. I don't do it because that's not in my future. You know, God has my future, and it's bright, it's full victorious i don't do that anymore also compromise is a whole lot of looking first to see what god is doing and then i believe it when i see that thomas isn't that thomas yeah he he saw he believed after he saw so compromise is just non-unbelief and double-mindedness religion is mixed up in there too because religion reasons it's always trying to weigh the other person's situation, trying to give them, oh, well, you know, they don't know. You got a religious devil. Got to get rid of that. Amen. A lot of self-pity. Uh, religion ha has a lot of self-pity added. And to see the devil slick. And he knows just who to mess with, too. God is calling us, everybody, to take a strong stand. Because we're the light of the world. Amen. And and we're supposed to shine. People are supposed to know that you've been with God. Amen. The people, the Israelites knew when, when Moses had been with God because his face was shining. They couldn't, they couldn't see his head because the glory was still on him, transferred from God. And they, But they knew not to mess with him. Okay, you take your time. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. But let him know we don't want no parts of this this uh, manna from heaven. 
you go talk to him, but take your time because we know you've been with him. Amen. God has already declared your final outcome. And that's what I love, and it's victorious. See, all of this, in other words, all of this is for nothing. All of this compromise, all of this being afraid to stand for what God has said. Now, look, see, just listen to this. If God, according to Jeremiah 29, 11, if your final outcome and your final victory has already been set, and it has been, amen, so he wants you to have a future and a hope. And your final outcome is already written. It's already spoken. You don't have to compromise. Compromise is a waste of time. What you're compromising for. See, we compromise because we're not sure God's going to do it. But our final victory has already been written. So why compromise? We don't have to compromise. You don't have to. The devil's just running a game on people. That's, this is what he does. He run a game on everybody. All you need to do is meditate on that word, get some fuel in your spirit. What I mean is the word of God, amen, and stand, having done all, because it's already written. He is going to do what he says he's going to do, amen. And so we forget that because the devil, he ambush you and push you and, ah, and it ain't going to do it. And, and then this is another thing. He makes it look like it ain't going to happen. Quit looking in the natural. That's the first thing faith has. You look through the eyes of faith. When you look through the eyes of faith, you already see it. You already see yourself as a wife. As a, and if it's hard for you to visualize, go set some plates out. Remember that lady? I know Nola remembers that lady. Chuck, you remember. I think you may remember. You may remember this. That lady that set them plates for them kids that she thought she couldn't have. Remember that? And they came. Because, see, some people have a problem with a natural vision. But so she did something in the natural that showed her and her husband and reminded them that I'm setting a plate for three. Although the baby ain't here. But this is the baby's. And then after that, I think she, I'm not sure, but I'm just saying she probably got a lot of peace, felt a lot of joy. She went and bought a high chair because her faith moved her to do even more. And they had a baby. And the doctor said they couldn't have any kids. And they were past, you know, they were in their 40s. But I'm telling you, God, it's already written. And this is why Jesus kept saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. He said because it's already written, he's already written your chapter. Amen. Your life's already written, and it's victorious. You know, everything that God has promised, he's going to do because it's no big deal for him. He can do anything. The problem is with us. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, he didn't do such and such for so-and-so. Well, what kind of life did they live? Were they in faith? You know, you have to. It's more than one side. It's not a one-sided story. Some people, you know, they, they pray, and sometimes they do figure out they really don't want what they thought they wanted. They, they change their minds. And so, you know, if it's God, he will try his best to change their minds. And sometimes if he can't, then, you know, they just go on, and but they live a happy life. But if you know that you know that you know that you're not supposed to, you know, be motherless, husbandless, you keep standing. And the men, too. See, men, they do things a little differently. I ain't going to go there. <laughs> but I'm waiting on a wife and dating all the hood rats. That won't that won't get it either. Amen. Pardon my French. Don't you just hate to see that? But God has already purposed it. He's already declared it. And that's your final outcome. It's it's already declared. It's already purposed. You don't have to compromise. Just take a stand for what you know he's already purposed, and everything will be good. Isaiah 46, 10, it says, declaring the end from the beginning, saying, my counsel will stand. You can write that down. My counsel will stand. Whatever God has said for you will stand. Isaiah 46, 10. So take a stand, because his counsel will stand. In other words, you're not standing by yourself. You're standing with his approval, with his knowledge, his understanding, with his, everything that he, he's worked. His, 
he's worked behind the scenes and he's already it is written so his counsel will stand so what's wrong with us taking a stand on what he's already said because his counsel according to isaiah 46 10 will stand see this word is going to work with or without you it's better with you because if you take a stand it won't be so long and stop you know what why this is so important when the children of israel as you know they were in the uh, wilderness 40 years and they did not cross over to the promised land they saw it from afar and this was because they kept murmuring and complaining and did not take a stand you know they were this way now we don't want this we don't want that you know oh well he led us he took us from pharaoh we could have stayed in egypt because at least we got three squares a day you know what i'm saying and now he's feeding us this manna from heaven we don't like this stuff but he he gave them what they wanted but my my thing is this we murmur we complain we we are tossed to and fro and we allow this and we shouldn't because his counsel will stand it is already written it's we already know what the end is going to be and so this is why the children of israel did not enter in because they kept switching sides they they were with uh moses sometime most of the time they were mad at him they weren't happy they murmured complained as we know but these are the things that kept them going on a 11 day trip 40 years when i really understood what that meant i i stopped complaining i said god in your timing and i'm gonna back up your words and I'm going to stand for your words, and I'm going to live like a Christian is supposed to live and meet my neighbors, and everybody I know is going to see him through me. And I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do if I never see what I'm praying for. Amen. You got to be sold out. Well, that didn't go over well, but it's still true. Amen. <laughs> you might as well say amen because this the way a T.I. is. I'm telling you. It's, it's truth. And so, you know, the kingdom is first before all these things that we want. God don't mind us having them, but get your stuff in proper perspective. That'll hold you back, too. If you want these things more than you want to live for God, work for God, they're going to come when you're 60. If you don't change. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. And see, a whole generation died out. Or the children and the whole generation. But you know what? I used to read that as just to show you. When I was uh, in a traditional church, I used to read that and get angry at God. Just telling the truth. I said, who would lead them out there? And you see, I didn't understand. But God was with those people. He loved them. And he didn't get them out there. They accused him of everything. You know, we brought us out here, and then he, when they, when they were at the Red Sea, they started to murmur and complain in there. And then when they saw the great and mighty works, you know, the, the sea opening up, and it was a wall of water over here, and a wall of water, and all they had to do was walk straight through. And God didn't even let their sandals get wet. No mud. It was dry. And they saw just miles and miles of water. And they say all these things, but they still complain. I think about them, and I don't want to complain. It's in me to complain. But when I think about that, I said, I don't want to complain. Amen. I'm done with that. Compromise is a sure sign of a broken relationship with Jesus. I talked about that. It's because it's a form of unbelief. And it's hypocritical. And it lacks truth. Amen. Uh, compromise is full of opinion. It's full of rationalization. And we need to desire life, deny flesh. It's full of flesh. That's why we never see these things. A relationship with the Lord gets rid of compromise and double-mindedness and unbelief. Amen. 
and we have to take a stand on what you believe. You can't be in the closet. Come out the closet. Because a lot of us believe. I used to be in the closet too. Well, I ain't going to say nothing. Let them think what they want to think. But you have to come out the closet and speak up. Amen. And God's going to make you speak up. <laughs> it's going to come a thing where you're going to have to speak up. Amen. You're going to have to speak up. Amen. Don't think back on recent failures. If you think back on recent failures, guess what you're going to remember? Some form of compromise in your past. That's how you fail. Now, let me say this. Failure happens because of compromise, some type of compromise, some form of compromise. At some point, the Holy Spirit said something to you and you rejected it. He told you a better way and you rejected it. Amen. And it caused you to fall. Compromising the church weakens the church. That's why the church is so weak. Compromise. So take a stand. And believe right. Abraham believed right. Caleb believed right. Amen. Uh, Joseph believed right. And they had much adversity, but they believed right. And they came through as pure gold. Amen. So let's go, let go of compromise in the smallest form. I'm talking about compromise in the smallest form. I'm not accusing anybody of doing any big time this or that. What I'm talking about is compromise in its weakest form. Just like, for instance, if you, if you, if some um, girl came here and she didn't understand what we understand, she was making a lot of wrong statements in front of everybody. Well, somebody need to take her back and say, no, you don't, you know. But what do we do? We let people slide. That's a, that's compromise in a weak form. So all I'm saying is it may be harmless and weak, but at some point it's going to get bigger and bigger. But that's how compromise starts. It starts with little things, and it's things that I, I let go that I know I should. You know what I'm saying? And we need to repent, and which I do, and say I'm not going to let that happen anymore. Because if compromise comes in a small, weak form, just agreeing with stuff that you know is wrong, or you don't want to start an argument. You don't have to argument. Just take a stand on what you know. Amen. But compromise starts in a very weak form, and it happens with all of us. But if we learn how to take a stand, guess what? The devil won't come to you with that stuff. He'll do it behind your back. He'll do it to some other weak person, somebody that's not going to challenge what's right, what's wrong. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank and bless you. We thank you for compromise, Lord. We thank you for showing us that we don't have to compromise because it is written.